You're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to 7th Heaven, your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby 7s. It's me, Burnsy, and finally we are back with Mitch and Chip after the Bermuda 10s. It's been a bit of an absence. The boys seem to have got lost in the Bermuda Triangle on their way home, but I've managed to fish them out of enemy territory and they're back up in the clouds and we're looking at their time playing in the World 10 Series and also with a special guest, a pod favourite, looking ahead towards the Premiership, which starts this weekend in the UK. Boys, finally, you're back. We're back, Bernsey. We, we we spent a lot of time in Bermuda thinking about you, just not talking to you. So I hope that makes you feel better. Not particularly, but... You were on the mind, not on the tongue. Well, I don't think I want to be on your tongue, Chip. Don't know where it's been. Considering you look like... You look like Marv from Home Alone these days. I know we're coming up to Christmas. Christmas comes earlier each year, doesn't it, Mitch? (laughs) Very good. He does look like Marv. You do look like Marv. I'd love to say it's the first time I've been called Marv, but um, obviously my sister has been calling me Marv for years. Uh, I think it's the... The, the side bit of my bonce that just pokes out or the massive hooter, one of the two. Yeah. I think I'm like a combo of Marv and Harry. Well, it's because you've got a homeless man's beard and it also looks like an iron's been dropped on your face. <laughs> First and foremost, boys, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks. So how are you? What have you been up to? Chip, let's start with you. So since being back... Um, Lucky enough to be offered a 30-day trial at um, Harlequins Rugby Club. So, been um, been in the mix for about a week now. So, just been um, getting the old tin out back out, gum shield in, getting stuck in some pick and goes and mauling and um, being back in 15s for a bit. Uh, so, yeah, basically just been doing that, which um, I moved back to London for a bit as well. So, been a busy, busy I've, couple of weeks. I've been fortunate to be offered a trial at Harlequins Rugby Club. Mate, we're not on LinkedIn. Go again. Seventh go again, go again. <laughs> Seventh go again. Go again. I, think I think you're allowed to say Quins. <laughs> go again. That's go again. Go again. No, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I'm trying to give you the what's diplomatic what, answer. It's very formal. It, what, I liked what, it. What's it like then, soggy nights on the, on the A316 at the stoop? Mate, it's good. Um, yeah, like everyone's been dead sound since I've been there. Um, a lot of like detail to pick up on um, coming into a, like a new club and they've got their systems and line-out calls in already but um, everyone's been dead welcoming uh, Alex Dombrant was having a good uh, yarn with, with him today obviously former Uick lad or Cardiff Meta they call him and he said oh, he said, oh you know uh, Joel Burns don't you I was like yeah he said he came around mine uh, did an interview about um, Uick and the pathway and books rugby um, he said nice guy but he ate all my chocolates and missus offered him one chocolate he ate a whole bowl <laughs> <laughs> it's my it's my calling card. Love boxing at a young age, Bernsey. That's it. Good boy, good boy, Domers. Great player as well. I'd love to love to see him play for England. Love to see Mate. him play for England. Top boy. Um, what's what's the most savage drill you've done then with the big bruisers up front? I bet you they've got some horrible stuff. Obviously, we're playing Exeter this week um, and they do a lot of pick and goes close to the line. So we've just been replicating that. Um, so we had a session this morning. It's 45 minutes of mauling, picking and going. And then they're quick tap penalties uh, from five metres out. But it's not the element of surprise was kind of lost when we said before the session that we're going to practice the quick tap penalties from the five. Um, so, so, yeah. so you've just got lads waiting to just melt you you've got lads waiting to melt you um, but no it's, it's been good like the physicality is always like an element of the game that I enjoy so kind of getting back into that um, and not being the biggest lad there um, 
is 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 nice but and challenging as well my shoulders and neck are a bit stiff um so luckily we're i'm looking straight at you because if i try and look to the left i'm a bit a bit blocked off at the moment do you get a chance to get the feet out at all not really i um i stepped in the first session and then got told that i should be going on overs so no nah. <laughs> Not yet, not yet. Anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, obviously I still don't know my arse and my elbow at the club at the moment. I can f- barely find my way around the training ground. Never mind, find my way around the moves. Um, <laughs> so, so just get just getting in the mix, trying to put my best foot forward. What sort of stash bundle are we talking, Chip? Give us the gory deets. Because uh, I'm on trial, I think they've just like given me the bare minimum. So I've got one set of rugby kit, trackies, shorts, jumper, hat, bobble hat. Bobble, bobble, yeah, premium. Um, Solid. Couple of pairs of socks. But yeah, just one backpack. I feel like if you sign, you, well, the lads have got loads of hoodies and jumpers and waterproofs I haven't seen, so I'm just like, oh, kit envy big time. What about you, Mitch? What's been going on? Uh, probably not as exciting as Chip. To us, since we've been back, just getting the body right. Um, few few niggles um, from Bermuda, from the 10s. Um, and then... Bit of upheaval in life, to be honest. Moving house, um, you know, change is the only constant, Burns, isn't it? So, got to get used to it. And the other big thing, um, which I've been picking your brains, Chip, I'm not, is getting my head around being a father for the first time, um, which will be happening next April, which is very exciting. Ciao! Big congrats, big congrats, Mitch. I've been forever. I've been filling them with positivity because I find when you when you say you're having a kid, everyone gives you the old doom and gloom. Oh, go, go. You're not going to have a good time. Oh, oh, get all you sleeping now. Mate, it's top. Absolutely top. Um, Mitch, I'm absolutely chuffed for you. Even happier for Flo. Um, you're going to make great parents. I'm, I'm proud of you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, lads. Appreciate it. Yeah, very excited. Burnsy, we just need you to get your act together now and then we'll have succession for the pod when we... Uh, too old and past it to be delivering gems like we are at the moment we'll have our young whippersnappers coming up through ready to take the reins take the mics both of you having kids is putting exorbitant amounts of pressure on me from my missus now that the words got out <laughs> I've, I've told her i'm father to seventh heaven pods i got my hands full already <laughs> so and what an offspring what an offspring <laughs> yeah we sucked burns's nipple raw <laughs> We, me and you, Chip, just been suckling at the teat <laughs> until it's dried up. What a vision. He's so stressed he stopped producing milk. His hair's falling out. Oh no! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just thought we were just giving Mate, you shit. He's had out. enough of. He's oh. had enough of that this week from the kids at school. Yeah, Lucian, good old Lucian, <laughs> Lucian pulling it out, wasn't he? Lucian's a troublemaker, isn't he, Bernsey? Do you want to tell us what Lucian's been up to this week? Yeah. So, not only did I get private message uh, DM'd by a listener of the pod sending me recommendations of hair transplants and hair regrowth products. We do welcome <laughs> any and all feedback for the pod, so thank you for getting involved. Gen- like genuinely, like no explanation, no, oh, hey man, I'm just sending you this, just sending me these adverts. Basically just being, <laughs> being trolled, being trolled <laughs> in the DMs of Seventh Heaven. But the flipper was the... Later that day after I'd had this barrage of messages and adverts through Instagram is that I was at school teaching and I was bending over tying this six-year-old shoelaces. And he says to one of the other ones, oh, look at Mr. Burns's head. There's nothing on the top. <laughs> it's, it's bleak. Oh, like, last kids, time are, I sh- kids are brutal. Last time I tie your shoelaces, Lucy, and I'm going to tie them together next time. <laughs> Have you seen, though, Chip, that Burnsy has been trying to assert himself as the most prolific athlete on this podcast again? Well, yeah, I saw Burnsy was doing something about running eight miles and raising money. Um, but to be honest, he doesn't look like he's running eight miles. I mean, that shirt's extra tight. The buttons are done up. He's not showing off the rig. He's looking flumpy would be the verb I'd be using to describe him. Burnsy, what's this, all that, what's this running about? Yeah, in 30 days, I'm going to provide irrefutable proof that it doesn't matter how many miles I run, that I cannot get a six-pack. Literally, it's genetically impossible. But yeah, I've been... Well, last week, I embarked on running 8.5 miles a day, every day for the next 30 days to 
raise money for the borough of Richmond to plug the funding shortfall for children under the age of five who don't qualify for government Christmas meals. So obviously Marcus Rashford, not Marcus Watson, Marcus Rashford has done much of the heavy lifting and got the government to fork out, but there's still a a shortfall in my borough. So uh, there's a charity called Fork and the original target was £85,000, hence 8.5 miles every day for 30 days. But it has been reduced to 20,000, but I thought two miles a day probably isn't that impressive. So yeah, I'm getting up 6am most days, busting out eight and a half miles. It is bleak, lonely, thankless work. I've got a head torch. It's so dark on the towpath. I nearly, I nearly, ran, I nearly lost my footing and fell into the river two days ago. So That'd be outstanding. Please can you wear a GoPro? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, uh, raising money, running miles. Nice to have a little bit of purpose in lockdown and working with a local food bank. So, if anyone's listening and they uh, they fancy it, then you're welcome to join me for a run, or you can click on the donation in my bio. So, any any donations be greatly appreciated. Mate, well done to you. I think that's brilliant. And eight and a half miles a day is not an easy task. So listeners, please spread the word, get behind him. Good on you, Bernsey. We're right behind you. And maybe we'll even clock up a few miles alongside you at some point. Right, enough about us for the time being. We'll be picking the bones out of the Bermudan tent later in the show with the boys. But I did promise you a pod favourite and it's time to deliver. With the Gallagher Premiership restarting this weekend, we wanted to call on our old friend Bath and England winger, former England Sevens legend and seventh heaven saw Rory McConaughey. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. You've been mentioned every episode of Seventh Heaven, but you are officially the first guest to have ever been in Seventh Heaven twice. Welcome back, mate. It's good to see you. How's things? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, all good. We've, uh, yeah, had about a two week long old off season and we're straight back in it so yeah straight the cold phase going looking forward to Newcastle this weekend which will be decent Rory, don't say you're at the cold face when you're doing kicks chip, chips to each other in the backs that is not the cold face by any stretch Rose and I'm sure every forward at Bath would agree with me that you are not at the cold face mm-hmm. you're busy powdering your nose chipping it over to each other and having a dos in the backs and you look and you're looking good for it Winter rugby is a dark, dark place to be an outside back. It's not fun. You're chasing kicks. You're dropping balls. It like it's just terrible. <laughs> and how? What did you do with your two week off season, mate? Ah, uh, you know, got got loads of got around loads of places in lockdown. It was awesome. Um, yeah, <laughs> spent, spent, spent the whole time in the flat pretty much. Managed to get up to my dad's in Scotland for a couple of days, um, but that was it. That literally not too much. Can't 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 boast about anything. Didn't spend any time by the windows then, by the looks of your skin. You almost look like you're blending in with the background there, Rose. <laughs> it's like a floating Sorry, bath Rory. t-shirt. So how have you guys managed this pre-season? I say in inverted commas, because there just hasn't been any rugby for three weeks. Um, I guess it's been, it's probably better for the players because we know we're not coming in to get um, flogged for sort of eight weeks without touching a ball sort of thing. So it's actually, we haven't done any extras in terms of conditioning. It's just been rugby like related sessions and some of them have been pretty hard but um yeah it, it's been all right it's obviously you want more and in our contracts we should have had more um at the end of a season but it is what it is um like happy happy to like i can say it here but happy to still actually have a job in this climate and you know we are enjoying it and it's it's good to get back into back into the prem What's the um, what's the score with that? Because contractually, you're not supposed to have five weeks, are you? But obviously, you couldn't have five weeks off. So, are they going to give you weeks throughout the season, or have they like allocated it? Because it's quite a hectic season, isn't it? So, I think um, yeah. Hey, contractually, you shouldn't get your your payment cut either. But <laughs> crazy, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But um, yeah, we're. Uh, I think they'll they'll look to try and give us sort of two or three weeks off in season individually. And I I don't know what that's going to look like. It could be that we're given a date sort of four weeks in advance, um, but it could just be you rock up on a Monday and they tell you actually you're not needed this week. So you go home. So I I, I don't know. Um, 
you, yeah, hopefully, hopefully all clubs are going to sort of abide by that and sort of take sort of the player welfare into account um, because otherwise I'm pretty sure if you're in all competitions, it's, uh, it's a 32 week, 32 consecutive weeks on the bounce. Wow. Sounds like a lot. Um, yeah. Praying for some bench time. Um, you'll be all right, Ros. Um, uh, the, so, but what's the vibe like? I mean, all that stuff aside, what's the vibe like amongst the guys? Cause we know what it's like. You always get a few guys who are probably sapping a few guys who are absolutely buzzing for it. Where's the group like, um, in terms of not having much break, but you know, getting to play some rugby, where's everyone at? I think it's all right. I think that they're not having much break part. Like it is, it, like we said, it is what it is. Like it, we can't change anything. So it was kind of enjoy it how you could. Um, and then getting back into rugby, I think it, I think it's actually quite exciting time. We've got eight boys away on international duty. So like the, like some of the people that were sort of right on the fringes of that squad um, at the end of lockdown uh, at, at restart last season, um, you know, are actually going to get some game time and a, and a chance to impress. And, you know, we've still got some like seriously good young talent coming through. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's actually genuine excitement, like hopefully going to put out the same performances as we did before it and show that we can do, and we've got the depth of talent there to, to compete at the, at that top four and, and still target that sort of championship right at the end of it. Yeah, psychologically, where do you think you guys are at? Because you obviously weren't on an incredible role uh, in Project Restart, certainly you personally, Roars, but then you suffered the disappointment of losing in the semi-final. So while you had that great momentum, you lost to the eventual champions, but you haven't had the whole summer to digest it, I guess, and you're rolling straight into the season now. Um, it was, yeah, it was very tough to take against Exeter, I think like physically we're pretty exhausted at the end of the game and actually taking a few days out, we looked back at it and we didn't execute in the areas that we should have. Like we weren't clinic enough. I think we had three chances in the first half to score, um, two very open chances that we didn't take. And like, that's, that's what cost you. Like I think on 60 minutes, we're only five points behind or something like that. And then suddenly all of that pressure that they've built just sort of came through and you know they that there's a reason why they're the best in the prem like they're, they're clinical when they need to be um and they they can bring off like internationals off the bench and stuff and you know just keep pumping it through so it was it was it was it was tough um but it also shows like how much we changed just in that lockdown um is is massively exciting to how much growth we still have in a squad just sticking with Exeter, and you mentioned how clinical they are. Why are they the best? Why are they the best in Europe? Why are they the best in England, other than being clinical, as you said? Um, they've got a very big pack. Uh, I think people potentially see, you know, a lot of their superstars and stuff, and obviously they've made some quality signings, like, but that that they are a massive side, and you see how many tries they score from like as soon as they're sort of 10 meters out, that's when they're most successful. And you sort of have that quality in the pack and then you add it with the likes of Henry Slade, Stuart Hogg, Jack Knoll, and like Joe Simmons is getting better and better every game he plays. And it's just, you know, it's, it, it, it shows, yeah, they are, they're a quality side. Is that the key to a successful 15 side? I don't know, you know, as a, as a uh, naive sevens player over here, is that the key? Having the balance of a massive forward pack and then having some seriously silky backs who have got the nous and the nuance to tear teams up? Um, I think I, you say naive, I'm still pretty naive to it all. Um, like I, I think it's probably just finding the best way of playing that works for you. Like there's no point in playing there's no point like Northampton were, were very, were very good last season um, at the start of last season and the season before, and they just attacked and attacked and attacked, but they obviously got found out because they didn't change and they didn't adapt and something wasn't working for them. So I guess it's about having something that works for you, but also being able to adapt to the laws of the game that are constantly changing and the personnel that you've got. Like, that you can't be, we, we can't be playing Cam Redpath at 12 like we would having Jamie Roberts at 12, like it's completely different. So 
it's working around the people that you've got and, and trying to maximize every individual that you've got in that squad, in my opinion. Sounds like you got it pretty nailed, mate. Yeah. Sign me up as a DOR. <laughs> <laughs> you, look, you look a bit like Stuart Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be the first time you've been told that. <laughs> so, have you, so have you got any advice for our boy Chip then? Because it's his lot who he's on trial with, Quinns, at the moment, playing against Chiefs. Tough, tough gig there, Chip. Um, on coming from sevens into the Prem. Um, well, <laughs> advice is a young budding back rower that Chip is. No, I, I, I like I, I've backed all like the sevens boys to be able to do a job in fifteens, and I said it at the time I was leaving, and, and I still say it now. And harping on, like I think everyone that was in that seven squad last season has got the ability to do well in the prem, and I think it's just about like waiting, being patient, and waiting for that chance, and then just taking the chance when you get it, because like it might not happen again, sort of thing. Twenty minutes could be the only twenty minutes you play, or or whatever and that's that's how I looked at it I guess um and just trying to trying to enjoy the moment and make some memories what's been the standout thing you've noticed then Chip since you've been in what like less than a week just just the difference um in physicality coming into the forward pack so like in sevens we don't do any pick and going we don't do any live mauling we don't do any uh close to the line plays Um, we would if you had your way wouldn't you yeah, 100% we would. Um, and then obviously this week, um, if you're not in the, the starting team, you have to play as the opposition. So we played as Exeter. And I don't know if you know, but they pick and go quite close to the line a lot, um, which is really fun to practice. It's, it's quite fun to practice. Um, so yeah, it's just, <laughs> I think the physicality is the main thing just in the forwards. Um, and obviously the lack of space, I don't know. It's, I've only been in a week, so those are the first two things that like stand out. I'm, I don't find myself worried in defence, really, because like, you look to your left and your right, there's people r- really close to you. Even if you're pulling width, you're still, you're still like man on. So it's, it, it looks easy, but there's training's different to the games, I'm sure. Have you found, have you found Chip, like the, the info, like the there's much more info going into sort of every like you have it even worse in like having line outs and stuff and like the info compared to sevens is is much higher that's it the level of detail in like running lines and and off so obviously you know every line out there's four or five different setups and then within them different setups there's four or five different setups of that and then from each call there's like five letters and nine numbers and your head scrambled and that's just a line out and then you go out and you've got to play phase play and pick up on all the like where you go in which breakdown you're hitting for a couple of phases yeah the, the detail's massive um so that's been interesting like transition first couple of days like thinking and running and just trying to work wrap my head around where i'm off <laughs> is that why you've been so knackered recently not because of the training it's just because you have to think for once the brain's been putting gear. Yeah, well, it's been, it's, the brain's just been chilled out. It's been concentrating on making bottles and washing and changing nappies and stuff. It's not had any um, any thought on uh, on calls or running lines. It's probably good for you. Switch switch it back on into gear. What what like what is our view of that then? Like from I don't know, Raws and you, Chip, going into it now. Like 15 seems like a more complicated world in that respect. In terms of there's a lot more information, a lot more calls. Like, does it have to be that way, do you think? I mean, I've always been someone who's probably more inclined to and intuitively would prefer a simple way, like less is more in terms of structure and information in a lot of ways. Um, but is that is that feasible? Does that work in a, in a 15s game, do you think? Um, I think? I think at the start, I was probably more like you in terms of thinking it could be much more free-flowing and make people sort of just... Uh, think of something on the spot rather than the finer details. But I think the more, the more I, the more I've been a part of it, um, you realise how much better every other team's getting, and every defence is getting so much better each year. That like you ran some of the plays that we run now ten years ago, we'd be scoring 60, 70 points a game. But now it's it's so hard to break down defences that I think it does it does need that detail in terms of how tight a line is. Um, how close to the line, how how we square up the first two defenders. Um, like a lot of our moves will will solely be on our 10, 12, 13 and the lines they run. And, every, and if they get those few, like the lines perfect, then 
out the back it will work perfectly but um yeah i i do feel like there is need for a lot more detail um but there has been some some stages where i'm like why are we having a meeting about this i think it's pretty obvious we can just talk it through on the spot and it doesn't need 50 video clips of what we could do or what we couldn't do uh but the more the more you prescribe stuff i guess then the more it's also possible to uh understand it as an opposition right yeah yeah it is and and it does get to a point where um like that they want us to make our own decisions and stuff i guess it's putting in i guess the template has to be very detailed and then everything around that we've just got to play rugby at the end of the day we've we've got to make our own decisions of what we do i think the um like the level of detail needed now has like come hand in hand with the like step up in performance analysis in the last couple of years. So like the amount of the amount of detail the coaches and everyone's going into about what they're doing at phase play, like identifying patterns, seeing weak defenders, seeing what what would get a good change out of it. That's what's led to this level of detail. I think they've seen they've seen something to identify, and that's the only way at the moment that you can get that level of detail put onto the pitch is by having the, the, with the calls and with the patterns and with the moves. I think that's, yeah, it's like a hand in hand rise with performance analysis as nausea and boring as that sounds. Yeah. And they do so much work. Like what? Like, yeah, it'd be eight o'clock till six thirty, eight o'clock till seven o'clock. And they're just like the coding they do the, like some of them are used as scouts almost. And like, it's, it's so much work and so much detail um that yeah that goes into their jobs so they can make our jobs as easy as possible so speaking of of an, of analyzing the opposition and specific player analysis clearly the falcons have done their work on you roars and sonotti snotty's left with immediate effects from newcastle who you've got this weekend didn't fancy it oh i, I honestly like i i, ho- I hope it's I hope it's not like a bad reason and, and he's all right and his family's all right and all of that. But I did say a small prayer when I saw he'd left. I was like, thank the Lord. Like I, I didn't want to end up on some highlight reel. Like I've, me and Clarky have already, like he finished Hazelton Gardens off in, in one fell swoop. Like that in our, I think we were playing in a premiership cup game in my first season. He's got it. He's half stepped, fended and gone round me. Clarky's kind of crossed to sort of save my bacon. He's just dropped his shoulder bounced off Clarky and scores under the post. <laughs> he does mug Dude. people off, doesn't he, for fun. Crazy. Running through running through touches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, I was like, mate, come on. <laughs> Wait, Mar- Marcus, who didn't get the invite back for his second appearance on the pod, which I'm sure he's noted, um, he got done by him pretty bad, didn't he? Playing for Wasps. He got stepped the hell out of. Like who honestly, like he he does it to everyone, and like he can do the most ridiculous step that you almost do when you're taking the piss, and he'll land, and he's suddenly ten meters away, and you're just like, how the hell? Like one of the most talented wingers I've ever seen, and like one of the like the one like a few wingers that you're just like I don't I don't want to don't want to come up against because it's going to be really just really difficult. Like it's not about being bounced. It's not about being gassed. You're, you're just going to be made stupid. Like, look stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's important to reinforce that we really do hope that there's nothing severe behind him leaving Falcons. And yeah, as you said, Ross, him and his family are all well and there's nothing bad going on there. But talk, like talking about him being so ridiculous, who are the most impressive wingers and or back three players that you've played against then? Um, I've played with, and again, luckily he's not playing this weekend, but... Cooper Vuna is just one of the most ridiculous talents out there. Like he's getting on a bit now. He'll, he'll say it. And he wasn't like where he was probably at Worcester when he was with Chip a few years ago. But oh my God, like some of the stuff that man could do is, is ridiculous. Um, like he, he could beat you with his feet. He, he could go around you and, or he could truck through a forward, sort of bounce off a forward. Like he had a seriously good skill set for a winger or, or he could play center if he need be. Um, I'd probably go him. Um, I rate, uh, I really rate Tomo Flaherty, the extra young extra winger. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he's a class player, like his work rate's ridiculous. He's quick, but like for his size and stuff, like he's actually pretty strong. Like I've, I've had words with him after two of the games, like he stripped me 
twice in two games. And like after the second game, I was like, mate, I was like, you can't keep like, just give me a chance. Like you've, you're peppering us by 40 points. Like don't, don't strip me in front of the stand and make me look like a serious mug. <laughs> <laughs> so that, like that, there's a lot of wingers out there. Like we're lucky. I, in my opinion, we're lucky to have some of the best in the league at, at Bath. Um, so actually I think more wings probably, more teams probably look at our wingers as, as threats. Um, so yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's not others, no more superstar wingers sort of joining other teams in the Prem. I don't want to play against Nadolo. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> and, and obviously you've got like the, probably the best set of wingers in the Prem. Uh, and then you've added it with Will Horse, Muir. Straight in, straight in the mix, straight in the rehab room. How's he doing? How are you, how's he getting on? Is he under the wing or has he been booted out? He's under the wing. He's under the wing. He's, uh, yeah, he, he managed to do a good week and a half's worth of sessions a few weeks ago and then obviously got failed again. Um, yeah, he's all right. He's The boys have taken to him well, as, as they would, as you guys know him. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see him actually just get a few weeks under his belt and just actually train and, and play, hopefully, because... He's stealing a living, is that what you're saying? He's stealing me, but he's giving the sevens a shit name. Like, we're not all like this. <laughs> one night in heaven, one night, one night in heaven. When you're talking about the best back three players in the Prem, like, what, what's your, who would your pick be for the, the strongest at the moment in the, in the England camp was going to be my, was going to be my uh, lead on question from what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I probably forgot about one guy who's, who's in the England camp and like, sort of probably a long time coming got his first cap which was Ollie Thorley like I, I've never played against a winger that runs as hard as him like even like I think he's called 110% there like because even in touch he's going full test match and he like he's yeah he's a hell of a player and like you see some, <laughs> see some of the tries he scores and they're like unbelievable like pace and power and stuff and he's only I think like 22 or 23 so he he could be he could be world class I think in the future. Um, I just hope I hope he gets more chances because it'll like being in that England environment will only sort of, will only make you better and, and grow you as a player. But yeah, I, I guess I guess that England back three at the moment. I think I think on their day it's hard to look past Anthony and Johnny on the wings um, and Elliot fullback. But I, obviously there's like been a few niggles Elliot's just come back and he's got an ankle issue so I'd like I'd, I'd like to see as I said Thor get another run and, and I want to see you know Big Joe when he's back and had a few like had game time in Joe Thock and the singer because again like you look at the future wingers it could be it could be him and Thor on the wing for a long time coming sort of thing so and like any any team that's coming up against that is going to have have nightmares so yeah, it's. I guess it's about them working out their balance. I don't know. I don't know what conversations they're having in terms of uh, how they want their back three to be and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, not involved this time around, but hoping to keep pressing my claim and stuff. And um, yeah, I've just. It was interesting. I actually probably took more of a hit last what was it last six nations where i didn't make the full squad and i think at the time it was because all i was doing was trying to get back in england squad whilst now actually i've sort of learned to appreciate that if i'm playing well and enjoying it it that that's that's what helps and that's what that's what counts so like i'm happy doing all i can and it, you know if it's if it's one person's decision at the end of the day then that's it like all i can do is try play as well as i can and uh, and try and win for Bath and that's what we want we want trophies here and the better you play for club and the better your club plays the more you're going to get yeah. I mean, that's, that's a bloody really impressive mindset to have mate and to to have processed it in that way is is no surprise to us who know you but I mean you listed off the, the amazing talent we've got on the back three at the moment like we're not shy of good back three players in England which is great for the game and, and great to see what happens with the England squad but I think winding the clock back there are a lot of people who are probably surprised that you weren't in the squad and but you were coming at it from a very different place. Obviously, with the World Cup, you were kind of coming in as a bit of an unknown and maybe a bit of an underdog into that selection process. Whereas, was it a different experience from your point of view in terms of what rugby people were saying about you, social media, the papers, whatever? 
um, that you were a bit more of a, dare I say, a front runner or at least a, you know, a known name in that back three scenario. Um, what was that? Was that different? Um, slightly different. Yeah. I guess you can't ignore it if you're getting like, if you're getting tags or something by something on social media. Um, like, but, but it, it didn't really change my mindset. Like it, like I definitely didn't approach it in the right way last time around. Um, and this time around, I, like, I was, it was kind of like, I can't do anything else apart from what I can, like the standards control the controllable sort of thing. Like I can't control what anyone else thinks or, um, yeah, or yeah, whether they like me or not as a player or not. So actually, I'm just going to do what I do for Bath and and really enjoy it there. And like, it's a hell of a group of lads. So like, that's that's mainly what I've been I had been concentrating on. Like anything else was a bonus. It wasn't anything set in stone. I sh- I shouldn't be going out thinking right. I'm playing well. I should be in England. I should I deserve to be there. It's it's not it's not about that. It's completely different. Like it's all about just hopefully if I do get a chance to to take it take it if and when I do you've always been about living in the moment like obviously throughout we spoke about in the last part about building up through the Olympics and just being happy and you being there um what do you reckon made it made you like kind of not forget it but like was it the taste of uh doing at the World Cup and then missing out on the Six Nations that dip maybe that made you just not appreciate it yeah I'd say most like most likely I think I think it the effect of having six months of being in that environment and being so successful um, and sort of being on that global stage to go back and this yeah. isn't this in club rugby at all because it's incredibly difficult, but going back to the week in week out sort of club rugby in winter, um, like we weren't playing that well as a team. I wasn't playing that well. I got an injury and a few, few other niggles and stuff. And it just was like, little knocks and niggles form was down then I didn't get picked and it was just like oh this like this is shit like almost just like I want to be back six months ago and instead of actually thinking like I can't do anything about like an injury is an injury like you can't can't do much about it so and and then actually probably lockdown came at the best time like having lockdown and having that time to almost reset and sort of reevaluate and realize like, why I do this and why I love it and why what, what's made me love it for so long were, was perfect. Um, like, and obviously coming back into the season, we were doing well, but there was just a really good sort of vibe and feeling around the club even before we started playing. Um, I think even if we didn't, you know, make it to top four and stuff, I, I still would have massively enjoyed that sort of that chunk and that unique time of, of our rugby careers where we're playing sort of three games in a week and almost just laughing about how, ridiculously tired we are and, and like doing one walkthrough session in between games and that's it and th- like if we did that nowadays in a week to week game people would be like what are you doing see so the movie click um, if you had the click controller and you could fizz back to just before you had your dip in form and obviously we'll forget about the injury would you would you click back and do it over or do you think you've learned more in the times that were crap um, in that period yeah, no, I, I probably wouldn't. I, I think me clicking back isn't going to change our team's form. And like, because yeah. like I do, I do care about I, like us as a team. I do, I do take results personally. Um, and and I think it was a really good learning point for me. Like I was still like late-ish career, like twenty-eight years old, and I realised how much I can still learn on the pitch, but also off the pitch, and how to deal with stuff mentally and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd change that. I feel like um more well-equipped to, to deal with something in the future if something similar came along. 100%. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think they make you better. Tough times make you better. You might be old, Rose, but you're a wise old man. Um, by the way, 28 is not old, is it, Bernsey? <laughs> 29 now, bloody hell. Oh, How old are you, Bernsey? 39? You've, yeah, as you say, you've just closed the gap to 10 years with to, to Bernsey. <laughs> Just broadening out that point, though, Rosa. Aside from maybe your personal like forms up and down, and and how you experienced it, in terms of the England selection in general, and the way Eddie kind of goes to do it, like the I saw on Twitter today because I'm on Nors. You know, already people are talking about who played against Georgia, who's played really well, and has not been picked um, this time around, and. You know, everyone's reading into whether that's Eddie's man management. I mean, I would assume that the people, the players 
who will probably have some understanding of the plan of maybe what they're going to be involved in, what they're not, or, or am I wrong in that? Or is it literally week to week? Like, you know, guys last week were putting their hands up for this week. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think it is week to week at the end of the day. Like they've got a a thing that they want to, they want to be the best team there's ever been. And I think you, you do that by putting out the best performances every game and hopefully getting better with every performance, every game. So now I, I think, you know, you look at that team last week and actually you go, there's not that many newbies. I know a few guys came up, like Max Malins came off the bench and Ollie Lawrence started and stuff. But actually, like apart from that, there's still, there's still so much experience there and like guys that were playing in the World Cup final 12 months ago. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think they, you know, every week and every training session is a chance to get picked for that next game. And that, I think that's, that's how they approached it when I was there. I, th- I still think that's how they approach it now. Have you had a phone call with Eddie or one of his famous text messages? Uh, yeah, I had a chat that well, it was, it was the, you didn't make the squad chat, but um, no, it was decent chat. Like um, he's very complimentary of, of how I've been playing and stuff. There's still, there's still works work ons there, which I won't go into depth about, but like they're, they're pretty good in terms of keeping a check of you when you're in and around the squad and maybe on the fringes that, you know, you, you'll, you'll get messages now and then. And just basically, if you've got any work ons, they'll ask you how it's going and stuff. And they, they don't just blank you and sort of cast you off to the side. I think once I get that, once I get no messages at all, then I know I'm, I know I'm quite a bit away from the squad. So at the moment I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking all I can get. All right. Well, I've got some good news to you, Ross, because I don't know if you remember before Project Restart, he hadn't scored a try since March. And then a certain podcaster came down to the wreck for your first game. And after that, you literally couldn't stop. You were back to Big Mac and tries. Do you remember that? I came down and I gave you a pep talk, sprinkled some of my stardust on you. I remember <laughs> under the rainy wreck stand. You were yeah, there in your bright white shoes. Guess, guess he's working for the telly on Saturday down at the wreck versus Newcastle. Well, so I'm not scoring them because when you're there, I don't score. Yeah, but I'm, I'm setting you up for a big campaign, though. <laughs> I bet he's a scorer, Russ. <laughs> you're going to be double figures. None of this nine tries in one season nonsense. You'll be double figures by the time I'm finished with you, Ross. Um, can't wait to see you tearing up again, mate. Um, I'm excited for it. We could talk to you forever, but we did promise it would be short and sweet. All good. No, great to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Looking forward to getting down to the reckoned, sprinkling a little bit by magic try scoring. Stardust on Raws again at the weekend, but awesome to have him on. Uh, a last minute guest. He dropped everything to come and join us. Happy memories with that man for you boys. Let's hope he doesn't drop everything on the weekend. Top boy. Um, good to have him <laughs> on again. <laughs> really enjoyed what he said about. Um, control the controllables is kind of like the way I've been living my life like one of the big things I pick, pick picked up from Sevens and picked up from Katie Warren like going forward control the controllables he's obviously sprinkling the words of wisdom throughout the Bath squad and hopefully they can uh, they can grow and nurture and grow into a decent team this year and good luck to the lads yeah you said it there what a great I mean great player on the field but what an awesome guy to have in your squad the way he speaks and spreading that throughout the squad and having that perspective is amazing big mac and tries hopefully we see him back at his best um getting some meat over the next couple of weekends we're here to kind of wrap up what happened in the bermuda tens so can you first and foremost explain what happened at the end of your game against the ohio aviators so obviously first up in the first weekend against uh, the asia pacific dragons i had the pleasure of taking an elbow to the face to which I lost my tooth and had a big old cut on my head. And at the end of the Ohio game, um, they had a kick to, you know, and they have to tap it and kick it out for the end, at the end of the game. And it was 12-10. And I thought, oh, this lad, does it. he's not going to tap it. Little did I know the ref had told him he should tap it and kick it out, which I don't know, whatever, do what you want. So I've gone to charge it down and I've missed it. And I was, I was like, okay, fair enough, lost the game. And then one of their guys um, like shoulder charged me. So I grabbed him. And as I've grabbed him, we've like spun and hit the floor. And as I've gone down to the floor, I've been greeted by um, 
well, three or four of the Ohio aviators with a forearm to the forearm to the right hand side of my head, and then a couple of uh, punches on the floor, which that proceeded to open up back up my cut. But luckily, the silver lining is my two survived. So take the wins when you get them. I think still handsome, Chip. Thank you. In a in a very niche way. You luckily you've got a season under your belt on a on a audible medium and we continue to work on that medium for the foreseeable <laughs> that's why the emblem is in our faces it's just a little um, the bridge with the wings on <laughs> yeah. so guys you've been back from bermuda for a fortnight you'd have you've had time to reflect on the world 10 series give us those reflections it was honestly uh, one of the best trips i've ever been on um Top three rugby trips, for sure. Um, the combination of bright blue skies, turquoise seas, going around on scooters, exploring a beautiful place during a time where travel is scarce. And then playing rugby for the first time in seven months with a good group of lads in a new team, in a new tournament. There's so much to be excited about. Um, it delivered and it was bloody brilliant. Yeah, 100% Mitch. I was trying to put my finger on whether it was such an amazing trip because it was such an amazing trip or was it because it was the the conditions kind of with COVID and not having any rugby, what did that elevate how how good it was? But I just think in general, it was an amazing trip. Like we got to do some like class stuff, like play, I played golf on a PGA Tour event, went scuba diving, spent three weeks with some, like, some mates I knew already and then built up friendships that like sometimes you go into an invitational team you think oh I'm not going to get on with everyone but there wasn't one bloke in that team where I didn't by the end of it didn't call a friend um, like made some lifelong friends and like had a hell of a time along the way as well um, and obviously nice to get a bit of silverware because been sparse in the last couple of years of sevens that was the surprising thing wasn't it Chip I think was the bonding the team bonding because I think you go and you think it should be a laugh but it will be like the relationships will probably not get beyond a bit of a laugh and maybe one or two mates but um, and this will make you feel uncomfortable Bernsey but there was genuine like real true bonds formed on a team given that we were only there for three and a half weeks it, it kind of blindsided a lot of us I think because we weren't really expecting it but that certainly made the trip um, you know extra special for, for everyone on our team I think any questions you want to ask, or do you want? To, are you sick of hearing about it now? I mean, you've ticked that box. Park Bermuda, never to be talked about again. Not at all. Not at all. I was giving the conversation air to breathe. Um, so, you, so you went there not looking for love, but you found it, which is heartwarming stuff. But let's talk about the rugby itself. You won the title of the league, fell short in the cup, and chip. You were nominated MVP, so let's talk about the league win first. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a good tournament. I think we, I think didn't think we were thinking there was a proper league title until a couple of games before the end. I think we knew if we won, we went straight to the semi, but I didn't know there was going to be a cup and everything. So it was actually quite a nice bonus, wasn't and it? Mitch? And it was a hell of a cup as well. Yeah, I wish I still Massive. had it. I've got it in. I've left it on the Isle of Wight. It's a crumper. Um, yeah, you we melt that done. down for a few bob chip. I, I think I don't think it's worth too much. By the time it got back, it was spinning. <laughs> Had to tighten the screw on the bottom, which I've learned is quite hard on a trophy where the bottom is probably like fourteen inches deep of wood. You got to find the world's skinniest spanner. These sausage fingers weren't getting in there. That's what she said. <laughs> Go on, Mitch. What do you think of it? What do you think of the setup? What do you think of the rugby? The, the tournament, the tournament, and the because the standard was such an unknown, wasn't it? We had no idea who was really was playing for other teams, who was even playing for our own team, to be honest. Um, and there was some rusty play first weekend. Like there were some pretty dire games. Um, some of our games weren't great to watch, certainly. But I think what was good about our team is that we did play pretty open rugby. Like it was. We had a pretty good style of, of play, which was exciting. Uh, probably no surprise thing is we had like six or seven sevens boys in there. Um, but yeah, definitely got better standard improved as we went along. Um, it felt good to win the league because I think, what did we, we lost two two games, did we, along the way? or Two games, yeah. We lost on the first weekend to Rhino and then we lost to Miami uh, on day yeah. one of tournament two. They caught us out of the block, so I think. You know, in one of them games, Bursley, we just wake up. Do you remember the Dubai Invitational? 
where you just wake up and it's day two and you're a bit sore and you just you're not quite you didn't quite get your switch on right. <laughs> I know Chip. I know Chip. Definitely one. I know of those. you know Burnsy. I know, man. I know, brother. I know, brother. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say you saw <laughs> Only for my boy Tomasi. Um, but you also won MVP chip. So, most influential, most valuable player of the league campaign. That must have felt good. Yeah, it was nice. Um, so, times when you're not playing where you question yourself and you question your ability, and like there's only so much running you can do and passing. And I've been coaching quite a bit. and coaching the lads and then I'm like oh gosh am I actually am I actually half decent rugby or am I just uh, spinning the yarn here for these young lads no it was nice to get recognised but it was all on the back of the like what work we did as a team so it was good to get everyone kind of playing off the same or singing off the same hymn sheep and, and getting in there and it sounded like I said sheep then didn't it <laughs> start that again singing off the same hymn sheep anyway how was the MVP decided? Did all the captains get a vote, but the captain of the team that won the league, his vote counted for seven then? No, so apparently they just said, who, who wants the MVP? And I was the first person to text back. Yeah, it's still, good, it still counts. It still counts. I just want to talk... I, I want to talk about your captaincy though, Chip, because it's something that I completely glossed over uh, when we did the pod. Cool, when was that? Back in 1996 last. And <laughs> I obviously... More for me, assume that Mitch would be taking the reins, but you were captain. How did that come about? Just break. He asked me on the, I think it was two days before the first game, just said, would you want a captain aside? I said, yeah, no dramas. It doesn't really, like, it didn't really change too much in the dynamic of the team, especially for the sevens lads, because Mitch is always going to lead the backs. Like, I'm not going to tell the backs how they sh- should play or fizz the ball around or kicking strategies. That's not, not really my back. Um, so I just, I just led the bits that I was comfortable with and then handed over. There's a lot of leaders in that team. I mean, we're playing with everyone from, that was a, the kind of beauty of the team. We're playing with everyone from male strippers to fully capped internationals. So like, I kind of was right in the middle of the, <laughs> the axis of, of leadership. So uh, yeah, I p- picked up on that one. <laughs> What's better, your international appearances or your stripping? That's what I'd like to know. Um, no, but you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice, I think, in being very modest. But you you did an unbelievable job, both as in terms of your your playing, which you and you're tearing up, looked like you're having some fun out there. Um, but also the way you led the team was brilliant as well, um, and everyone said so. So um, whilst he's being modest, Burnsy, I'll give you the full the full rundown. Um, you say you don't do the kicking chip, but I'll bet you were dying to take one of those five-point conversions. Could have easily nailed one of them, but, you know, leave it to the pros. <laughs> How good was that Bram Van Straat and knocking over the penalty for Phoenix Suns, was it? 49 years old and kicking a penalty to get his team through. That was pretty awesome. What do you reckon about the the rugby, the tournament as a whole? Has it got legs? Was it good enough? Because I was a little bit confused, I'll be honest, because for me it was being billed as an elite tens tournament. And yes, there's you guys, international sevens players there, but there were also a lot of guys who hadn't played top professional rugby. There was liberal references to isotonic rum and cokes. And also I think I saw on their socials that they were advertising for players to send their CVs to play in the next one. So where do you think it sits or where do you think it would like to sit in a world rugby calendar? I think it sits in the off season of the sevens, to be honest. I think the market for them is to get the sevens boys who are kind of in between contracts or could potentially get released. And then the super super rugby might attend boys who to come over from New Zealand, Australia, South Africa to come in and kind of up the standards of it. Because I don't think there's a, there's any scope for premiership players or, or championship players to be released just because of the way the season works and the way like the rest, obviously, um, you know, about the five weeks off, like they need it and it's not like they can be bowling around playing tens. Um, I think there is legs in the rugby though. Um, obviously, this is a first starter in every, with every tournament. There's seething problems, but... There is there's legs in it. I mean, the, the main thing is they need to pay the players. We still have not had our second paycheck, so put a boot in there for the World Tens. But apart from that, really enjoyed the tournament. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the, the MLR is the other one, isn't it? So they're hoping to work around the MLR season and pull players in from that. 
for the tens and kind of supplement that season, which would be interesting because I think the MLR teams have got aspirations to bring in bigger and bigger names as they go. So whether those two end up complementing each other would be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know, Bernsey, to be honest, in terms of what I think there's something about it that there's a line that can be walked, which is, you know, still having the, the being open and acknowledging the fun and the rum and ginger beers, dark and stormy's going on and the fun to be had during the week with, with elite performance at the, at the weekend. It's just uh, how you present it is something that's not really been done before, probably. I think rugby is uh, in its broadcasting is over the years probably been relatively, maybe not sanit, maybe sanitise is the wrong word, but, um, you know, pretty, pretty cautious maybe in terms of what's put out there in the public sphere. Would you agree? Yeah. I'd, do you think that it's authentic? Do you think it's genuine? So for years we've spoken on TV or not made mention of the social aspect of, you know, beers and rum and cokes when everyone knows it happens and it's integral to the heart of the game. In fact, I'm not saying that you have to be a big boozer to play rugby. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. But there is that huge social element. And, you know, often people pretend that it doesn't happen because it's a professional game and it needs to appear professional. But I think it's maybe changing a little bit. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I think you're right. And and it's not even just the, the you know, and the boozing and the social side of it, but just even simple things like... Um... You know, like what players do on their day off, like a player. I'm trying to think of a good example, but you know, a player might go surfing on a day off. Because I mean, for picking that as a sort of wholesome example compared to maybe going out on the piss, but um, you know, and wouldn't be allowed to publicly share that, even though that might be the best thing for their performance at the weekend. Do you know what I mean? I think there's been there's quite a narrow mindset in terms of what professionalism is. And I think a lot of the media around rugby has has fitted that and it is quite a narrow spectrum. And that's why we probably haven't got the best out of the individuals involved with the game is because I think rugby media over the years has probably been a bit too scared or whether it's clubs, um, you know, the RFU, whoever, uh, just a bit nervous about how that's received by the rugby public. I don't, I don't know, but I do think, as you say, it's changing. I'm with you. Yeah, I think the, I think the, what well, I think what you said there about professionalism from the outside is a massive, massive like point uh, and of contention, like for especially for lads in the game at the moment. What you want to do on your day off, it doesn't, shouldn't matter unless it affects your end performance do you know what I mean like and the individuality of it needs to be respected as well like for me I know if I went out surfing I'd be absolutely knackered the next day so I'd never do it but there's some lads who go out surfing and get the blood pumping around their body and they feel great the next day or I mean we're just using surfing for this example but it's just the individuality of it like for me I know if I play yeah, golf same I'll be with fine like going out a round of golf or something exactly yeah yeah I I I wouldn't if if I went and played golf, and then had a game on the Saturday, I, and I'd played golf on the Thursday before a captain's run on Friday. I would never tweet or Instagram about that because I know why would I give someone an ammo like if I had a bad game on Saturday, it might not have been because of the golf, but there's no point giving them the ammo to say, oh he's he's obviously played crap because he's tired from playing golf. It's like well, you don't understand me. Yeah, and that and that's it, and that's the thing about the sort of sanitized version of what gets put out. Um, and I think it'd be more, it'd be a more interesting place, rugby, more interesting place for fans, and a more marketable place, to be honest. If uh, we were a bit more open-minded about professionalism, performance, understanding the nuances of individuals in the game, uh, and kind of celebrating that a little bit more, definitely seeing it. I don't know if. I was going to say, I don't know if you're following the rugby on Instagram. Obviously, we all do. Um, along with everyone else listening to this pod, I'm sure. Um, along with 7th Heaven Pod on Instagram. Um, but they, I've noticed a shift in what they're doing. And I think they're going in that direction as well. You know, it's a lot more personal stuff, a lot more relaxed in the tone. I think that's, that's for the, it's made it better. Yeah, I think podcasts have actually led the way in that. In the podcasts have... Our podcasts mostly. Our, our podcast mainly being the key driver, but they've taken the media restrictions around the play, how the players respond to questions, how they interact with the public and how they're perceived. Because 
players speak more openly. They they feel more trusting because of the environment that's presented. The people who are asking the questions as well, and the unions or the clubs, media managers have seen the way that the rugby public have responded to podcasts. You got to think about the rugby pod or House of Rugby, and now they're cottoning onto the fact that oh, do you know what? The supporters actually aren't idiots and they know exactly that the people who play the game, yes, they are professional players, but they are people first and foremost. And that separation of the professional and the individual is really important. And I think that that breaking down of boundaries through podcasts has been really key to that. And as you said, you're seeing a different tone in the way social media is presented. You mentioned England. Think about Bristol Bears social media is is awesome. Like you feel like, these are blokes, you know, who you'd meet down the shops and they'd say hi. They're not they're not false idols, if you so to speak. I think it's really cool. No, I was gonna say, I think that you're absolutely bang on. And I think there's a really positive side note on a bit more of a serious note on the making players more personable or come across as being more personable and someone that you can identify with. As a youngster, you realise that actually these pros are are just normal people. Cause I remember when I was younger and I thought that a professional athlete was like a different species of person and that it was so inaccessible. And I think that's really unhealthy for, for young rugby girls and boys to see. I think the more you can kind of uh, paint the picture of professional athletes as being real people, um, the better and, and the more inspiring it is, actually. Look, just wrapping up the, the Bermuda Tens, one thing that I loved is the disruptive nature of it, the innovation, the creativity, the stepping outside the norms. I've said already how much I loved the conversion jeopardy because it created so many decision-making elements surrounding the conversion and it, it definitely had implications on the way that results went. What other disruptive elements did you like and also how do you see it as a product that challenges regular rugby and gets people thinking about how to make it more of an entertainment product which is hopefully going to appeal to more fans uh there was one element of it that that didn't quite work for me which was the challenge you could challenge have one captain's challenge during the game so if you thought there'd been an infringement um two phases before a score you could challenge it and i think that's quite a cool thing to do but it just needs to be snappier because we end up having about well to be fair sometimes the two minutes off we had a result of that was was pretty welcome when we were all sucking diesel but um that so that was interesting i actually reckon they can go further with it the innovation like i think it will create i think to the the best thing would be to create incentives for some better gameplay actually i think they need to try and make the game a bit more open so can you for example um like, do you get more points for a try if you score within your first phase or something like that? Well, I was I was thinking no, start within a, a try that started in your own half, you get seven points. Exactly, and then yeah, something like and that. Then, then five for the outside the 22, then three for if you, if you kick to the corner and get a try from that. Yeah, and also or, I, so what, or you have yeah. like power plays. So you have, you have any point within the 20 minute game. Yeah, you have a power play. Um, this wasn't my idea actually. Russell Earnshaw came up with this, so I can't pretend it was mine, but a power play. So you have five minutes or whatever, and you, you tell the ref when it starts. And from the next five minutes, you get double points if you score or whatever. Um, stuff like that. I think, why not? You know, it's, it, as you say, they've got kind of a bit of a blank canvas with it. They're not having the laws signed off by World Rugby, which is, it means that they can do whatever they want. Well, also, one, one, one other change I'd make to the tournament is the if it's a draw you know there's a penalty shootout but it was one kicker we took all the kicks and it kind of got a bit tedious after they like three of them got it in a row and then whatever three the the three kicks from three different points the three kickers all got and it was boring they should have like you have to pick five so they have the old gareth southgate i'd beat gareth southgate stepping up with their confidence and then slicing it except this time it probably works it'd go over wouldn't it i thought you wanted to be jordan crane <laughs> Behave, Mate, I rented a house off. I, re- I rented a house off him. Well, were you were you renting a house with him at the time? No, I rented a house off Jordan when I got to Leicester, aka the bully. Oh, really? We'll get into that on another pod. Uh, on the on the uh, on the disruptive nature of it, Burnsy as well. I think it showed, and they proved in this time that you can put on a tournament. Um, and I don't know how much it cost, all in all, and you know what it took well, to, to get it going. Tell, but you what, tell you what they didn't pay for. 
less said about the money, <laughs> the better. Well, we won't or get where it comes from. But, you know, I think it's good to have rugby being played. Um, and does that put pressure on other bodies to change things, change the way things look? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't see that disruption in the rugby circles is necessarily a bad thing. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be the predominant game or it's going to necessarily even have legs. I, I mean, I think it probably will, but I definitely think the disruption is a positive. Amen to that. Right. we got a few big episodes coming up. Sorry to have been absent from your eardrums for the last few weeks, but we're going to be back and we're going to be consistent. And we've got some big time guests on. We've got one of the biggest names in the game coming on next week. Then it is our first birthday. Can you believe it? Seventh Heaven Pod is one years old. Then we're going to be celebrating the Dubai Sevens. We've got the Cape Town Seven celebration going on. And then we're rolling into Christmas. So loads and loads coming your way. But, but until next time, from all of us in the clouds in Seventh Heaven, it is adios. Sibby. Bye.